Unfortunately, there was a fault with the radio mic that Mark was wearing during this recording, and parts of the recording are lost. Other parts are quite hissy and hard to hear. Good morning, and a very warm welcome to all of you here this morning. It's good to see you. Hopefully you have been aware of the notices going around uh, behind me. I'm going to ask um, Lucy and I think Pete as well to come forward at this point. I think they just about know about this. It's, um, it's because you may have been intrigued by a uh, note in the messenger, or if you weren't intrigued, we want you to be intrigued by it, uh, about a holiday club. And um, perhaps you could tell us, what is a holiday club? Okay, well, basically, what we're planning to do um, the first week of the summer holidays, which is the 24th to the 28th of July, um, we're planning to run a children's holiday club in the church. Um, and this is for children from, we want to get children from everywhere, not just um, children from church, but like from all the schools. We're hoping to go around the schools and advertise in the local schools um, and just get this place full of kids and go and do some really silly things. <laughs> um, yeah, so sort of every to do it like every morning of the first week of the holidays, so somewhere for the children to come um, and to have fun, and also find out a bit about God and Christianity and stuff. Thank you. Is, is there a theme for the week? Yes, there is. And um, <laughs> so, sorry, the theme is pirates, basically. Um, it's fantastic. It's Land lovers, that's what it's called. Um, so we'll have lots, lots of costumes, we'll have lots of sea, s- sort of sea backgrounds and <laughs> palm trees and desert islands and treasure hunts, I'm sure. Uh, and basically, it's been loads, loads of like, activities and games and what have you. Um, and one thing we need the church to do, um, preferably, is try and save some materials for us to do in the crafts. Um, now, what we need is we need shoe boxes and we need Pringles packets. Um, <laughs> yeah, go, go and gorge yourself on Pringles uh, and, and shoes. <laughs> go, go shopping. Um, so there are things we need to do. Um, and basically, um, as I said, we want to try and get all, all lots of young people from um, Pershaw and all the villages and all the schools basically to get into the church and provide something for them. Um, you know, we're here to serve the community and we want to do that. Um, so we're going to have lots of activities and games and. Um, so we're going to learn a bit about God and sort of and basically that's, so that's what we want to try and do so. children aged um, 5 to 12 sort of pre-high school age and if you're above that age then you can come and help <laughs> yeah we, we need people to come and help um, so if you can give um, that a week um, to come and help that would be great if you can only give just a day that week that would be fantastic um, any help is better yeah, than none <laughs> um, we need people to be there. We need some people who are going to be there. It can be there every single morning. Um, I don't know. We're still thinking. Is it about half nine till half twelve or thereabouts? Um, so if you're off for that week or you're a teacher and you've just finished and you really want to spend some more time with children, <laughs> then, <laughs> then please do come along and help. Um, but if you can't make the whole week, then um, just a day or two will be absolutely fantastic. Um, and we also need people maybe to help make squash and stuff. Got some biscuits for the breaks as well. So just anyone to come along and help would be really, really appreciated. Um, we're going to have a, a list at some point that you can find. We don't have that today because we're unorganised. But, um, but do come and speak to us and give your name and say that you can help. <laughs> 
please. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, if you have got young kids and you want them to come along to this, um, if you can let us know, we can get in, start getting them enrolled, um, which would be fantastic. So we can start thinking about numbers and who... And their friends, and their friends yes. <laughs> um, lots of their friends. That'd be really good. Thank you very much indeed. Um, that's great. I'll tell you what, I was thinking as you were saying there, crisp packets... Oh, Pringles packets, shoes, if you could find something with chocolate wrappers as well, everyone's going to be delighted to help out with that. It's really good, it's great to have this opportunity to share with our community, uh, to invite young people in during the holidays, that they will have hopefully lots and lots of fun, but also will come to hear uh, about God's word as well, and that's very much a part of what this is about. It's for the people to come and to have fun, but in having fun to hear God's word because God is fun as well. You know, God wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. Well, I was going to interview them, but they did such a fantastic job of telling us everything that um, I don't need to ask you any more questions. So thank you very much indeed. Um, But let's pray for the Holiday Club and for the preparations that are, are going on. We're going to have our reading now. It's from um, Numbers, chapter 12, and reading the first 16 verses. Numbers, chapter 12, and reading the first 16 verses. If you wish to follow it in the few Bibles, you can find it on page 142. Moses had married a Cushite woman, and Miriam and Aaron criticised him for it. They said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? The Lord heard what they said. Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on earth. Suddenly, the Lord said, The Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent and called out, Aaron, Miriam, the two of them stepped forward, and the Lord said, Now hear what I have to say. When there are prophets among you, I reveal myself to to them in visions and speak to them in dreams. It is different with my servant Moses. I have put him in charge of all my people, Israel. So I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He has seen my form. How dare you speak against my servant Moses? The Lord was angry with them. And so, as he departed and the cloud left the tent, Miriam's skin was suddenly covered with a dreaded disease and turned as white as snow. When Aaron looked at her and saw that she was covered with the disease, he said to Moses, Please, sir, do not make her suffer this punishment for our foolish sin. Don't let her become like something born dead with half its flesh eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, O God, Heal her. The Lord answered, If her father had spat in her face, she would have to bear her disgrace for seven days. So let her be shut out of the camp for a week, and after that, she can be brought back in. Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back in. Then they left Hazaroth and set up camp in the wilderness of Paran. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word that reveals more of yourself to us. 
as we think on your word this morning, we pray that you will speak to us. You will give us your word. You meet us where we are at. And you know what we need to do. We pray this morning that you will give us ears to listen. That we might indeed be inspired, encouraged and challenged by you. That this time may be a time where when we leave this place we will do so knowing that you have a job for us to do knowing that you are with us, knowing that there is no place we can go where you will be not, where you won't be there. So bless us, we pray this morning. In the name of Christ. Amen. There um, are a number of problems that are reported in the uh, air maintenance industry. And um, I've got some of the problems and the solutions uh, that they came up with. Uh, here we go. Problem. Left inside main tyre almost needs replacement. Solution. Almost replace left inside main tyre. Problem. Test flight okay, except Autoland very rough. Solution. Autoland is not installed on this aircraft. Problem. Something loose in cockpit. Solution. Something tightened in cockpit. <laughs> Problem. Autopilot in altitude hold mode produces a 200 feet per minute descent. Solution. Could not reproduce this problem on the ground. <laughs> Problem. Evidence of leak on main right landing gear. Solution. Evidence removed. <laughs> Problem. DME volume unbelievably loud. Solution. DME volume set to a more believable level. <laughs> Problem. Friction locks cause throttle levers to stick. Solution. That's what they're there for. <laughs> Problem. IFF inoperative. Solution. IFF always inoperative in off mode. <laughs> and finally... Problem, number three engine missing. Solution, engine found on right wing after brief search. <laughs> Sometimes when we present problems with people, we don't necessarily get the solutions that we were hoping for. Uh, I think that would certainly be the case in those uh, problems. I think that's also the case in our reading that we've had about Miriam this morning. This situation when Miriam and Aaron bring a complaint against Moses and it's not the solution that certainly they were going to be looking for. Well, as we come and we look at the life of Miriam, let's remind ourselves of the stories that we read of her in the Bible because there are three stories. The first one is um, represented here in the picture on the front uh, where we see uh, Moses in a basket. And um, if you can just see Miriam there, she's poking her head through the rushes. If you remember the story, this is uh, at the time when Pharaoh has decreed that all baby boys will be drowned in the River Nile. Why? 
because he's afraid that the Hebrews are becoming too strong and that they're going to pose a threat to Egyptian security. So to avoid that possibility, all baby boys are drowned. And Moses' mother decides that she's going to try and save her son and does that by putting him in a basket. And um, as he's floated on the Nile, Miriam is sent to keep a watch over her brother. Um, Miriam sees that and then goes forward and offers to to look after the baby. And then she runs off and gets her mother. So in these three stories, the first one, Miriam saves Moses. And um, we see her take great responsibility and act with great wisdom. You know, she would only have been about 12 years old at the time, probably. But isn't that tremendous maturity that she shows in this situation, a situation she would never have met before? But what better solution could there have been than Moses be adopted into the family of Pharaoh The second story we read about Miriam is inspiring after the Exodus. Again, you will probably remember the the well-known story of the people of Israel leaving Egypt after the various plagues. Uh, As the plagues get progressively worse, Moses finally gets the answer that he's looking for from Pharaoh, where Pharaoh says, I will let your people go. And the people go and they come to the Red Sea. And as they come to the Red Sea, there's this point because the, where the Egyptians have changed their mind and the, the army is coming after them. And Moses prays to God and the Red Sea is parted and of course the people travel through the Red Sea in safety. And then as the Egyptian army seeks to follow, the waves come back and they are drowned. It's a time of great celebration for the people and we read of Moses singing a song and then we read of Miriam reading a song and inspiring after this exodus. And um, by now we're told Miriam was known as a prophetess. In other words, she was hearing the word of God. She was seeing visions of what God was doing and she was telling people what would happen. But also we see her inspiring the people with her music. Miriam was a leader of the people of Israel. We shouldn't, this is just a bit of an aside, but we shouldn't underestimate the power of music to inspire. I'm sure that for many, many days, weeks, months, perhaps years after, the song that Miriam was singing would be one that would come back to the people of Israel. Because music does inspire. Martin Luther, uh, one of the key figures in the Reformation, wrote over 25,000 pages of theology. He also wrote a number of hymns, and it was said of him that his enemies feared his hymns more than they did his theology. 
because his hymns would inspire and encourage. Music inspires and encourages. Nothing which causes so much controversy as the music and music styles because it actually is the vehicle through which people worship. And when you worship in a certain style and you find things helpful for coming before God, if it's not like that and if it's different, we really notice it. So, as I said, that's just an aside really, but it's just this recognition that Miriam was inspiring the people and obviously through her music, it was a vehicle for people to move closer to God. So we see Miriam as an important leader and she was going to be an important leader. And another verse we read of her is in Micah, chapter 6, verse 4, many, many years later, uh, where God says, I brought you out of Egypt, I rescued you from slavery, I sent Moses, Aaron and Miriam to lead you. It's interesting, I wondered if I'd asked for a show of hands about um, people who you knew who had led the people of Israel at this time. If I'd asked for who said it would agree with Moses, I'm sure most of us would have put our hands up. If I'd asked about Aaron, I'm sure again most of us would have put our hands up. If I'd asked about Miriam, I wonder how many of us would have recognised her as a leader of the people of Israel. But she was. And then that kind of brings us on to the story that we've read this morning, where we discover that Miriam is fallible. I have to say I feel a little bit sorry for her here because... um, Quite clearly, she's an important leader in the nation. She does many important things, but where she's leading the people in song and inspiring them, we have two verses about her. We don't read very much else about her leadership within the nation. But then we come and we have this longer passage about her one mistake. But the Bible is like that. You know, the Bible... I also think it's one of those things that if you ask us if we're people who complain, no, uh, certainly I never complain. I I constructively criticise to help people. (coughs) And I'm sure that's what we all think we do. And yet the reality is that as we go around, criticism is not always constructive. Very often it is destructive. And I think this passage brings to us very valuable lessons about what constructive criticism will be like. And I think if we are, as a church, to be community, to be family, this is very important for us to think about and to consider. Because it is important that we are able to share our opinions and sometimes we will be able to help and improve things that happen through constructive criticism. But we need to make sure that it is indeed to help us understand whether things that we are saying are constructive or destructive. Because the church... helpful points that's fantastic when we have destructive points 
First thing I think is this. Look at the reason for the complaint and not the person. Look at the Moses Miriam might have been right. She might have been right to have concerns, but she complained against Moses. She complained against Moses. Has the Lord, do, does Lord, the Lord not speak to us? Constructive criticism will never lose sight of what the issue really is. Miriam and Aaron did that. They needed to just keep on the agenda the fact that the problem was to do with Moses might find it harder to worship God if he was married to somebody who didn't share his faith. Look at the reason for the complaint and not the person. The second thing is check for other motives. You know, through that, with those words, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? You begin to get a sense that there may be other motives here that are going on. Perhaps the reason for the criticism is to do with jealousy. Why is God, why does Moses think that he's the one who hears from God? Don't I hear as well? What makes him think he's right? I could be right. After all we've read, isn't Moses a prophetess? She's had visions of God. She hears from him. You know, it says later on, uh, God says, I reveal myself to them in visions and speak to them in dreams. You know, she was hearing from God. Why does Moses think that he doesn't have to listen to me? Perhaps it was out of a sense of not being appreciated. You know, why does everyone listen to Moses? Maybe it wasn't so much jealousy, but haven't I got an important voice in all this? 
well, why can't I be recognized for my role? Some people have even suggested there are some racist reasons for, um, for, for her complaint. I don't think there's any particular evidence of that in there other than that she was born in a different nation. We can, this is all sort of conjecture, really. We can't be sure of why she complained, but these are things that are possibly going on. And it makes me think, I wonder how often our criticism is actually motivated by other things. It's very difficult for us sometimes to work out what those other things are. But we need to check our motives and try and be really honest with ourselves before we start If we've got other things motivating us, our criticism will not be As he went in there, there was a big sign on the front of the door that said, Beware of the dog. So he went in and looked around for the dog. And there next to the cash desk was this big hound, just lying asleep on the floor, looking so docile. And uh, he laughed and smiled and went up to the cashier and said, Look, why have you got that sign which says, Beware of the dog? It doesn't look at all like he's going to harm anyone. And the assistant said, no, he won't harm anyone, but five people tripped over him in the last week before we put that sign on. <coughs> Only discovered the reason for the sign when they'd asked. Do you know what, with criticism I discover, and it always happens, you know, I think most of the criticism that, I don't get a load of it, but when I do get criticism and people speak to me, they don't usually ask me why I've acted as I've acted. They come with the criticism, not understanding the reasons for the decision that I've made about why I've done something. I wonder how often we do that with criticism. We see something is wrong and we go straight away and tell somebody, you should have done that better, you should have done it this way. Why didn't you do it like that? If you'd thought about it for one moment, surely you could see that that was wrong. Actually, if you go up and ask somebody, why did you, th why did you do it that way? You know, and it doesn't have to be an aggressive question. You just explain to me. Um, you begin to understand why somebody's done it in that way. And sometimes you discover when you ask and take that approach that the other person isn't happy with how things went. And they begin to think, well, maybe another time I'll do it differently. And you don't need to criticise them at all. You can just support them in what they're doing. Doesn't that feel a very different way of going about things than trying to tell people how they should have done it? What if Moses had had an approach from Miriam and Aaron and said, why do you think it's okay to marry this woman? We've got some concerns, but can you tell us? and God had said, it's okay, things would have been very different. They should have checked with Moses first about what they were going to criticise for. 
And that really brings on to the fourth thing, which is... While it was on display, one of the problems that they had with it was people kept coming up and touching it. So they put a sign up saying, please do not touch. It didn't work. People still came up and touched it. One day, one of the museum employees had a wonderful idea. He changed the sign. And it said, caution, please wash hands after touching. And suddenly, nobody touched it. (laughs) There's always more than one way to approach a problem. There's always more than one way to approach a problem. Sometimes, it can cause more difficulties. Sometimes, it can make things easier. When it comes to criticism... It is not enough that we are right. Let me say that again. Criticising and offering constructive criticism, it's not enough that we are right in what we're saying. Because I think that's one of the dangers. We can see that we're right and the other person is wrong, so therefore any criticism we give must be constructive. Wrong. We need to think about how we're approaching it. We need to think about what we're doing. Because we can handle things in different ways. Is there a better way I can say it? But we'll still achieve the same things. But we'll get to the message. I wonder again if Aaron and Moses had handled it in way, would it have been better? Perhaps they were right about Moses, not since Perhaps they were right. But they didn't handle it right. Because they criticised Moses. At being what we're seeking to be servants of God and I want really to finish with looking at what happened at the end of the story because it seems such an appropriate place and way to come around the communion table and it's this when Miriam made a mistake she asked for forgiveness and was restored to the community well Aaron asked for um, forgiveness for both of them. I think Miriam was probably in a state of shock with what had happened and was perhaps unable to utter the words, but clearly she was very repentant as well. There are times when we criticise and we will know in our hearts it may well have been destructive. It may not have been handled as well as we could have handled it. We all make mistakes. Miriam was a great leader in the nation of Israel. She made a mistake. When she did, she asked for forgiveness. When we make mistakes, We need to ask for forgiveness. Isn't that what the communion table is about? Coming around the Lord's table asking for forgiveness for the mistakes that we have made. But also, and this is important as well, look at Moses' reaction because he was the one who was sinned against. But he prayed for Aaron and Miriam. Many of us may have received criticism from others as well. It may have hurt Moses forgave and prayed for Aaron and Miriam. 
we have received tremendous forgiveness at the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating at Communion. The forgiveness of sins that we receive that allows us to be in right relationship with God. If we really understand that, we can do no other than actively seek to forgive any who have hurt us. That doesn't mean to say it's easy. doesn't mean to say that we can just get rid of our feelings of anger, hurt, whatever those things may be. But it does mean that we have a desire to release those things. Because if God has forgiven us so much, we need to forgive the little that we have to forgive others. And that's the place we need to be at as we come and share in communion. A recognition that as we say sorry to God, as we repent of our sins, we are forgiven. But also, if there are others who have hurt us, if there are grudges that we carry, we need to be seeking to forgive others that we can come and join in with this meal as God would want us to. Let's just recap as we finish. Just some questions. Do you criticise more than you are criticised? I think we should be people who receive more criticism than we give. Certainly of the negative kind. Are you constructive in your criticism? Do you follow those five points? Because if you do, chances are you'll be constructive. If you don't, you're running a big risk of being destructive. Have you received forgiveness? And have you forgiven? Because this is a place this morning where each of us can receive forgiveness. Where each of us can begin the process of forgiving. May God help us to be his people. Involved in constructive criticism for his kingdom. Involved in receiving forgiveness and offering it for his sake. So let us come around the table and as we do so we're going to sing. We're going to have an opportunity for some quiet reflection. If you want to pray through these things, feel free to pray. If you want to sing, please sing. Otherwise you'll get a solo from me. Which wouldn't be good. But let's use this time to respond and to come before the table that is spread for us. The invitation that is there for us, in the name of Christ, who died for you and for me. Before we sing our concluding hymn, there is something I need to share with you all, and that's um, this week I've been asked and invited to go to a church in Norwich uh, as their minister, and I have accepted that call. It's... um, it's not something I was expecting. I've not applied to leave, but I've been approached and have been approached over a 14-month period. And as the time has gone on, having initially resisted it, I felt God's hand in this and felt God's calling. There is for me a sense of a mi- very mixed feelings. There's always a sense of excitement when God calls you to something. And that's what I believe is happening. But there is a real sense of sadness as well for me um, because I love the church and I love the people here. So uh, I share that with you this morning and um, 
as we come to see, sing our final hymn, it's um, one that I chose actually because it's special to me, and so I hope you'll permit me that this morning. It's, uh, O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end, because for me, that's what my commitment to God is about. I will go wherever he sends me, and as our Christian commitment, that needs to be something that each of us makes as well, that wherever God sends us, be it easy, be it difficult, that we will go. So let's stand together and sing, O Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you and those that you love this day and forever. Amen.